One in 10 American couples will have difficulty conceiving. How does the experience of infertility affect the mental state of the couple? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jill Warnock. Dr. Warnock is a professor of psychiatry, director of clinical research, and adjunct professor of internal medicine at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center in Tulsa. Her research interests include psychiatric disorders in women and reproductive endocrinology. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Dr. Warnock, how do you even define infertility? Infertility is defined as one year of unprotected intercourse without conception. That's pretty simple. Pretty simple. (laughs) I'm sure it's a lot harder to figure out what causes that infertility. Well, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's very difficult. About half the time, it's a woman might be having more of the issues and half the time a guy might be having the issues and then a portion, about 20%, could be both issues, both having problems with having conception or making a baby. Clearly, the whole experience of infertility is stressful for both partners in the relationship, but does the nature of the stress change depending on when in their infertility cycle we actually look at the couple? Well, yes. As you can imagine, just like any feeling of loss, people can go through different changes trying to deal with this trauma or this difficulty for them. At first, they just may feel numb, and why is this happening to me when everybody else seems to be having a baby, and they have it so easily, and I'm having all this difficulty having to go to the doctor and have all these procedures, and it's very expensive, and insurance isn't paying for it, and everybody else gets to have a baby at the drop of a hat, and why is this happening to me? So that's kind of a a numbness or shock, and then there's just this constant yearning and and wishing this perceived baby is like part of their life and they're expecting it and wanting it and it's like a third person there that's not there. Then they kind of feel disorganized and despair. Why isn't this happening? And then, and hopefully over time that they can kind of reorganize if things don't work out or maybe they do work out, but if they don't work out, um, look at other options that might be available to them so that they can still care for someone small, maybe adopt or uh, become a teacher or become big brother or do other options that can help fulfill that, that void for them. So it sounds almost like the stages of grief. Very similar, I think. Now, I would wonder if this is different according to gender. Does the woman and the couple experience different range and maybe order of emotions than the man? I don't know if they've studied it that carefully, but we do know that for a woman, it does seem to be more difficult in coping with it. Maybe it's some cultural issues. Women take it more personally. Looking forward to the role of a mom is maybe somehow more key in our society. And so with this loss or inability to conceive a child, they seem to have more difficulty in coping with it. The other thing that might be related to this is women have more depression and anxiety as compared to guys. And with these psychiatric disorders, those could predispose someone to have uh, infertility problems. So the depression or anxiety 
could, in some cases, and those are often cases that I may see, make it more difficult for them. That depression and anxiety we know interferes with the HPO axis, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, so that their GNRH may not be at that pulsatile rate that's supposed to happen in all of us every 60 seconds, you know, this beautifully timed center. And so with depression, anxiety, stress, that can get that out of kilter so one is not ovulating appropriately. So that becomes an issue in in infertility. So sometimes even treating those patients for their depression and anxiety can help them conceive. So maybe the time old grandmother's advice to just relax in some way is helpful. Well, perhaps for some individuals. I mean, again, many times there are medical problems. I don't mean to just say that psychiatric problems are a huge issue. I just think that they are some of the issues. Like I said, 40% of ovarian dysfunction counts for about 40% of female infertility. And we know women could have like a number of disorders like polycystic ovarian disease or hyperprolactinemia, they could have, that might be like 5%. They might have a little pituitary adenoma that is uh, with increased prolactin. They're not going to ovulate. That affects the whole HPO axis as well. So now their uh, estrogen is down and they're not ovulating with increased prolactin. And then um, I'm sure you've heard of the uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea, which may be someone who's uh, exercising or perhaps too thin. In fact, there is some good reason to have a little bit of, as I like to call it, biscuit dough on our bodies because that gives us enough estrogen to help us improve fertility. So women who are too thin, exercise anorexia, are going to have uh, much more difficulty with fertility, obviously. So you mentioned that women, of course, with the sort of pre-existing baseline rate of higher incidence of major depression and anxiety may be prone to this. But how about the other end of this? Do women that suffer from infertility have higher rates of depressions during or following the infertility? Yes. Actually, the literature is a little controversial in that some studies say, oh, they really don't have increased incidence rates, and others say, indeed, they do. Part of my area of interest was I had the good fortune here in Tulsa to work with a reproductive endocrinologist, and we worked with a lot of women who were infertile because of endometriosis. And when someone has uh, endometriosis or and, and they're having difficulty conceiving, they might be placed on certain medications like Lupron or other types of GNRH agonists. And what that does is kind of shut down the HPO axis so that they aren't making estrogen. They're not having the FSH and LH surge. So then in turn, the ovary isn't stimulated. And so now the endometriotic lesions can clear up. And so then the endometriosis can clear. But what was very interesting to me and a number of studies that I conducted on these women, and I really appreciate them allowing me to do this, were that when they had the shutdown, these don't forget, these were young women of reproductive age, and when their HPO axis was shut down with these medications, often they became depressed, anxious, and sometimes even psychotically depressed on these medications, and I don't think it just happened to everyone. I studied an awful lot of women, but for women who are vulnerable, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like a model for women who are 
postpartum who suffer depression where they had high estrogens and now they're suddenly dropped in terms of the amount of estrogen because these were young women of reproductive age. They're given this medication and in two weeks on average, now their estrogen level drops to postmenopausal levels. Mm. Okay, so it's mm. almost like wow. a situation of postpartum depression where estrogen is suddenly declined or in the perimenopause where one, again, may have a severe drop in estrogen. So what happened to the, some of these women? Well, obviously, they're going to have hot flushes. They had migraines if they were prone to it. They would have vaginal dryness, loss of sexual interest. And so they were really suffering, uh, not all of them, but many suffered quite severely, even with the medications that were used to uh, try to clear up the endometriosis so that they could then have IVF or other types of uh, treatment. And this would last for six months, this treatment typically for those who have pretty severe endometriosis, for example, and want to become pregnant. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jill Warnock. We are discussing the psychiatric aspects of infertility. Now, Jill, you mentioned IVF, um, in vitro fertilization. Does that have any special influence on the psychiatric condition of the couple? I don't know of a lot of studies that have looked at that specifically. Certainly, it is very stressful and costly. And the other thing that can be challenging for the couple is that the reproductive endocrinologist will be telling them uh, when to have sex, what positions to have sex, timing of the sex, and sometimes sex on demand loses its joyfulness, shall we say. Some Husbands are are very sweet about it and can laugh about it and just can make light of the situation where others it becomes more of a chore and a burden and very uh, noxious and then especially then when the period comes and then they're so disappointed and so this kind of repeated loss with each period becomes very difficult for the couple. It seems like every month would be another failure. It could look right like that, and yet they had tried so hard and tried to have sex at the right time and in the right position and, you know, staying in the right position afterwards so that you are increased likelihood of fertilization. So as you can imagine, that can be very tough on some some individuals and couples. Any other infertility treatments that can especially contribute to the development of psychiatric problems? Well, I think it's primarily just going through the trauma and some of the medications. Some women may feel anxious undergoing some of the procedures, uh, but that's usually not too difficult. Just mentioning some of the guys' causes of infertility, because I think that's sometimes underappreciated in this society. It's more like the blame is seems like it's on the woman, but like I mentioned before, about 40% of the time, the male can have the cause of infertility with abnormal Mm. sperm production or abnormalities of the sperm functioning or structural problems of the male reproductive tract. These problems could include like a low sperm count or motility problems, morphologic problems of of the sperm and anti-sperm antibodies and problems with semen viscosity. So those issues can also be present, too. Now, do the psychiatric problems, is it at all age-dependent? Are younger women more vulnerable than older women, say? 
Actually, it's the other way around. With younger women having less difficulty, um, and as a woman ages, the percentage of successful conception declines with age, with the best being in the early 20s and, and it declining continuously and then precipitously after age 40. For our listeners who are interested in reading more about this topic, Dr. Warnock co-authored really a wonderful review that's in Primary Psychiatry, a journal that you can access online. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jill. I appreciate the time and the opportunity, Leslie. Thank you. We've been discussing the psychiatric consequences of infertility with Dr. Jill Warnock. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.